0: This is Fundraising Radio, educational episode number seven. And today's a guest speaker we have, Christina Subodina, Corporate and Securities Attorney at Ross Law Group. And this episode will discuss the legal side of hiring new employees. So I've seen a lot of founders just heavily struggling with the legal issues. So I started focusing on that a little bit more. And today, Christina will tell us main mistakes that she she sees founders making while hiring new people. And she will also explain to you what to focus on during that process and you know which documents you just have to file in order not to get sued. So, Christina, <laughs> let's kick off by you giving us just a little bit of your background and then we'll dive straight into the hiring.
1: Sure. Uh, thank you for the introduction and inviting me. Um, I do work as a corporate and securities attorney at Ross Law Group. We're a boutique law firm um, in the heart of Manhattan Financial District. We're located in Wall Street. And all of our clients are startups and investment funds and individual investors. And we basically represent them on all the stages of their business life, starting from formation, then financial rounds, then day-to-day business transactions, um, exit strategies, M&A, and for startups, we do a lot of work with formation and then series C, series A, B, And also we represent investment funds and investors investing in those startups on those stages of life. So we kind of have that perspective, what investors are looking for in the startups and what kind of due diligence they they do, because we basically are doing those uh, that due diligence on their behalf. And that helps us to guide the startups in the right direction to um, avoid some uh, mistakes along the road and basically reach that point of IPO or uh, other exit strategies the company's selling.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, so speaking of mistakes, let's first discuss the major mistakes that you see founders making while trying to hire a new employee, whether it's gonna be a full-time employee or a contractor.
1: Yeah, so the the main mistake that I see uh, among the founders, not understanding the difference between an employee and consultant, So employees, they receive W-2, and consultants, independent contractors, they receive 1099. But that's not the real difference, right? The misclassification comes from desire, I guess, to just do it easy way and uh, call everybody independent contractor. Um, And that way, you kind of avoid the compliance with a lot of laws and regulations. But you may get um, large penalties for back wages, overtime pay, tax and insurance obligations, employee benefits. So, for example, in 2017, more than 30,000 Instacart shoppers, they filed uh, a class lawsuit against Instacart. Nice. They basically alleged that the company misclassified them as independent contractors and failed to um, reimburse business related expenses. So long story short, instacart settled that class action lawsuit for four point six million. And many startups they just don't have that money or that's all they have and they're gonna go down and no investors, um, no investor will want to invest in a company with such a risk. So in my um, uh, representation career, like for investors, we always look at whether, startup uh, misclassified their independent contractors and employees, because this is a huge risk. And I just wanted to share a couple of factors that uh, founders should be looking at when they trying to decide, okay, is it an independent contractor? Is it an employee? And I wanna emphasize that this topic is complicated and there are attorneys that specialize in that area. And I'm not one of them, but what I do is to guide uh, startups what direction they should be going and what factors they should be looking at. So the most three important factors is the level of supervision, direction, and control, um, and control exercised by the uh, by you guys, by founders. And so the courts um, they they made it even more complicated. They said no single factor or group of factors can conclusively define an employer-employee relationship. Um, and instead, they interpret and review all the factors and the degree of supervision, direction, and control
0: exercised okay.
1: over the services. So, uh, let me give you a couple of factors so you can you can see, and maybe you can uh, uh, misclassify, not misclassify, maybe you can reclassify one of your independent contractors uh, after this, um, um, after listening to this. So, if you choose when, where, and how those people perform services, that's an implication that that person is an employee. If um, you provide facilities, equipment, tools, supplies, if you um, repay the business or travel expenses, if you set the hours of work, if you require exclusive services, meaning the individual cannot work for your competitors while working for you. If you require attendance at meetings or training sessions, you ask for uh, written reports or oral reports. And as an example, uh, for California, for example, it has three, it has ABC test. It has three main criteria. And the the first criteria is that the worker is free to perform uh, services without the control or direction of the company. The second is that the worker is performing work tasks outside of the usual course of the startup's business. And the third one, that the worker is performing the job duties of of their regularly established trade occupational business. And let's just take an example so I can walk you through how how the thought process is working. So let's imagine you're a startup that um, makes software. And then you have an office and you have a problem with your toilet. So you invite in a plumber to fix it. And so you call a plumber, and that plumber sets the date and time when uh, he will come. And he fixing the toilet, something that you cannot do because you're not specialized in that. And um, that plumber normally does fix toilets. So that's his trade, occupation, business. And according to this ABC test, this plumber will be an independent contractor. And you do not need to classify uh, him as an employee of your business. But let's imagine um, you got a really lucrative contract with Tesla to um, produce AI software. And that contract would last for three months. And you just realize you don't have enough manpower to, to deliver that. And then you invited your Uh, brother-in-law to help you out for three months. So you don't need to hire a software engineer for long-term, you just needed this help right now. Um, And you bring him in, um, and that person may be be able to to set his own schedule, but he will be performing the, the task that is part of your regular business, doing software and because of that you would like to you would likely to have to classify that brother as an employee even um, if he is only a temporary employee and to kind of wrap it up if you um if you know for sure that 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 person is independent contract i would encourage you to draft or have lawyers drafted an and independent contractor agreement, which will emphasize and summarize those factors that will distinguish a person from an employee. So even if you know that, okay, this is the independent contractor agreement, I swear to God, that that's it, still have an agreement in place to emphasize, summarize and formalize that.
0: Mm-hmm. Guys, so let me make sure I understood it correctly. So basically, if the person is doing something that's very similar to what you do on a daily basis, that means that probably that person is should be classified as an employee, right?
1: Yes, yes. Darn and uh, actually, the co- the company has to prove um, uh, has to prove those things. If, for example, a company engages um, an independent contractor it has to prove that the work um, th- that person is performing work outside of the usual course of the company's business so the the duty to prove is on the startup
0: oh no I thought it's much easier than that all right let's um, <laughs> at first I want to discuss the you know the, the contractors because I thought that's the most uh, you know the most common thing for early stage startup founders to do but now it feels like uh, the employee is a more classical classification of those people so let's talk about the major things that a startup founder should look at while actually hiring someone even for a couple month period
1: yes um, there are many things but i would um, i understand that you know startup is just bootstrapping and there are not many resources so i would just emphasize two most important things that i recommend my clients on a tight budget to have in place first is offer letter And there are two reasons why I really recommend having an offer letter. It's short and sweet, so it wouldn't take a lot of time to put it together, but uh, it's also sometimes required by law. So for example, California and New York, they require all commission agreements to be in writing and contain certain information. New York City further requires that certain independent contractor agreements also be in writing. And the last reason is that many states, they require the the companies to put in writing rate of pay and regular pay date. And you kind of want to have it in one place that you save it in your Dropbox or somewhere instead of going through the emails later if God forbid there is a lawsuit. So it's always nice to have this short and sweet offer letter where you summarize title and position. Reporting relationship, start date, term of employment, if any, uh, rate and frequency of pay, how you will be uh, how you will be paying, and also to emphasize whether that employee is exempt or non-exempt, meaning that when uh, non-exempt employees they uh, they entitled to minimum wage and overtime requirements, and usually exempt. I employ those employees who are white-collar, like administrative, executive, professional, uh, outside sales sales employees, but other employees, non-exempt, they, they have certain rights to the overtime payment, for example. Uh, also, you can uh, put in that offer letter hours of work, full-time or part-time. Uh, you can put eligibility, eligibility for benefits, conditions for employment. So, for example, uh, back uh, form I nine compliance, and if you're performing some uh, background check, so you can also say that the condition of the employment is uh, you passing that background check, and emphasizing whether that's uh, that's the at will confirmation whether the employment relationship will be at will so you can terminate it at any time. So all those things I would recommend to include in the offer letter. And together with this, with the offer letter, I would have confidentiality agreement and proprietary rights agreement. And usually it's one document, confidentiality and proprietary rights agreement. And this second document, I would recommend especially for startups with sensitive product development and design information. And um, when you have this agreement, it serves three major purposes. First, it protects your information. So you do not share confidential information with the person before he or she executes this agreement. Second, executing this agreement serves as a, The employment and the offer letter serves as a consideration for executing this confidentiality and proprietary rights agreement. And also, um, this document establishes um, that standard uh, that the employee assigns any inventions created during the employment to the employer and that all the works are uh, are made for hire that belong to the company. And that's something that I personally pay a lot of attention when I perform due diligence uh, for our investors, because I want to make sure that investors usually uh, they invest in IP and people. IP is a huge part of it. And if you do not have that confidentiality and proprietary rights agreements, that's a huge red flag. And uh, I usually, if startups don't have that and investors still really interested in investing in that startup, we would make the startup to have those agreements in place before uh, the investor invests money.
0: Mm-hmm. Got I actually did not. I'm not that big of a fan of uh, IP rights, so I'm probably not as focused on that. And I was more interested in the um, the tax returns. So, how how should you deal with that? Should you is is it like super important part, or can you just ignore the taxes?
1: What do you mean ignore the taxes?
0: <laughs> like, how are you supposed to? I I have absolutely no experience hiring full time employees, so excuse my ir- uh, ignorance here, but. Uh, how wh- What do you do with the taxes there? Do you have to file like some paper to the IRS that you hired someone full time or do you have to do it at the end of the year? How does that work?
1: Yeah, you do have to um, make federal and state filings and for employees, it's kind of complicated. That's why I would recommend um, if you hire employees, you can engage a professional employer organization. They are called PEO. Um, for example, our law firm uses ADP, and many of my clients, they use Sequoia. What these organizations do is they manage new hire reporting and payroll administration. Uh, and that kind of elevates all the uh, all the uh, headache from you to that organization. But still, uh, startups and companies, they remain on the hook for compliance. So they, Startups have to remain vigilant about legal compliance in any state where this company operates and in every state that uh, in which you employ workers.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it, all right. So yeah, I'll definitely make sure to include those two companies that you mentioned in the description of this episode. But other than that, I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, last question, what's your call to action? What's, so what's that one thing that you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over?
1: Uh, I would, guys, tell you to go to my YouTube channel. I recently, you know, while on quarantine, um, I decided to create this YouTube channel about law, business, and investments. And after this episode is over, I'm going to record a video summarizing everything that we just discussed. So if you um, learn better by seeing and seeing the written text, you might benefit from watching that YouTube video in addition to listening to this podcast.
0: Ironically, I actually learned by viewing, so I'll definitely take a look at it. <laughs> so we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Christina, for coming up and for sharing your knowledge in the legal side of the hiring process. I personally didn't know that you have to focus so much on IP and I was so confident that most early stage employees are, are just you know, contractors. So um, yeah, a lot of new stuff for me. So thanks a lot for that and have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you. Bye.